1: Hey, friends, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. Aubrey, I want to talk distraction and I want to talk about uh, the distraction of the world around us. And that's not like some big, dark world. I mean, like literally yeah, the world we distracted, live in. Yes. Where we're kind of what's that movie where it's like squirrel, you know, the dog. It's <laughs> a like kind of how I right, feel like right. we live. Uh Here, two-part question. What distracts you the most, and what role do you think it plays in your ongoing, growing faith relationship with Jesus?
2: I mean, I would say 100% my phone. Okay. uh, In that, and it's not always bad things, but it's like, oh, I gotta get back to my pharmacist about that prescription. Mm -hmm. Oh, I gotta text that one person that I forgot to get back to. Oh, I wanna really read that article, or oh, what's happening on Instagram? And suddenly, I'm like, Put your phone away. Be present yeah. with the people around it. you. Know, I, so I would say the things happening on my phone, it's like my phone is like a siren call. Even if I sometimes I'll put it on top of my fridge, like don't think about it. But I like it it's like beckoning to me. It's like I a picture, power that is in my house.
1: I picture you standing at your at your <laughs> fridge like like my, my dogs are when I'm making a sandwich and they know that I have ham and they just stand there staring <laughs> up That's at it. me.
2: <laughs> I'll even like last night I got a text and I I've been trying like, OK, my kids are home. My husband and I are hanging out. Don't pick up your phone. Yeah. You don't have to pick it up. Maybe yeah. you can glance at one time before bed, but that's it. And I got some texts last night at like 930. And I was like, I will not respond to these <laughs> until the morning. Like I, So, I, yeah. Hold fast. Uh, You know, every once in a while I get hooked on a show on Netflix and that kind of like distracts me. Yeah. But I would say this device in my hand is the thing. And I agree with you with yeah. that.
1: For me, it's social media, the phone, all this stuff. Just the, the drive to other uh, multiple times where I'll be on Twitter and I'll think to myself, When did I get on Twitter? Why did I just go on Twitter again? (laughs) And it will go that way. What result does it play in your faith? Or what Uh, does distraction do to us?
2: So I, I would say I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, what role it plays in my faith. And I honestly feel like there's a lot of detriment that I don't even know if I'm realizing or the world is realizing. I think it's changing my personhood. Mm. I think it's changing my ability to be present. I think it's changing my ability to be content and trust that God is at work in real life. I think it's causing me to live almost like a hashtag avatar life rather than just being very embodied right where I am Mm -hmm. because I'm constantly wondering what's happening in the virtual world. That's right. And, um, and I think the ultimate thing is like things like Sabbath, solitude, slowing down, being with Jesus. It distracts me from that. Mm. And then it's sh- it, so in that way, it's shaping my spiritual life.
1: I think it's it's so true. I, I think I would go so far as to say that the, the distraction is above most of the other things we normally say are are keeping us from growing in our faith. We're yes. always like, it's the world or it's right. the si- all of those can be true. Right. I, think it, I think we're just really distracted people. We
2: are. And it's, it feels like it's not sinful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It feels like it's not evil. This is whatever. It's easy. It's normal. It's ever. And so you can almost justify it by like, oh, well, this is just life. And I wonder if we have just allowed distraction to creep in, in such a way that we aren't even recognizing
1: That's right. it right. I think so too. And I got thinking about this from, I was over at the Gospel Coalition, uh, distracting myself, being online, looking around.
3: <laughs>
2: Brett,
1: McC- Brett McCracken, he's been on the show many times. You were his boss at one point, I, I believe. I was his boss at
2: one That's my claim to fame right there. There
1: you go. There you go. Uh, he wrote this over at the Gospel Coalition. Are we too distracted for revival? Oh, wow. Let me just read the first two paragraphs, because I read this, and I was like, Oh, my gosh, I hadn't thought about this. Mm -hmm. And this is really convicting. He says, I long and pray for revival in the church today. Yet when I look around at the state of the Western church, especially at how Christians act online, which is largely as decadent and worldly as anyone else. I struggle to imagine revival taking place. There are many reasons for our compromised witness and deteriorating spiritual health. The headwinds of secularism are real. The corrupting effects of comfort and consumerism are significant. But a big reason I'm skeptical that we'll see revival in my generation is related to our technological environment and how we've passively cowered to its conditioning. And he says this in short. We're too distracted for revival. Mm. I think, Aubrey, as pastors, we often pray for this idea of revival, that we would go from apathy to passion, that we would go from lukewarmness to on fire, to Mm -hmm. use those phrases. Mm -hmm. And the question is, what what brings those things about? And I think it's things like prayer, fasting. Reading the word. Yeah. Being together in community. But none of it's fast. None of it's like uh right. you know, a two minute soundbite here or this or that. Yeah. And so I think he's got a point here that because we don't have the ability to sit and focus at anything, it might keep us from kind of the deeper, bigger mm. things that God wants to do.
2: Yeah, it's interesting too thinking about you know, sort of the cottage industry of online pastors too. Because it's it's almost like we've replaced, oh, I can go online and watch Stephen Furtick preach at me for a couple of minutes. Then I can go hear Matt Chandler. Then I can hear Chris Kane. Then I can yeah, hear Jenny yeah. Allen. These amazing people. I'm growing spiritually. I'm listening mm-hmm. to all these incredible sermons. But what But what we're doing is just like consuming, consuming, right. consuming. And again, it's like the good things have gotten in the way. I mean, this is idolatry, right? The good things have gotten in the way of the best thing mm. and the slow work of the Holy Spirit that is needed for revival to spark. I I mean... Brian, I know this is not realistic. This won't ever happen. But I'm starting to wonder if it's time to just like we need to like banish our phones for the weekends <laughs> or does. something. Like something's got to give. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I think I think Brett's right here. We're, have, we're too distracted.
1: I have a stack of books at home about being too distracted <laughs> and about what we should do. We well, talk uh, drowning in technology. Yeah. All of these these books are wonderful. The answers are really simple, but really difficult. Aubrey, mm. it's what you just said. It's putting your phone away. It's putting limits. It's uh, it's actually turning your television off and reading Mm -hmm. and talking. I mean, Mm -hmm. these are, it's not brain surgery, but Mm -hmm. it's difficult. Uh, And that's what, that's why it's so important. I do think it's going to get worse and worse and worse. I worry for my kids generation and will they have the ability to sit and read? Will they have the ability to do these things? Um, Like I've told you before, one of the most powerful things I do in my own life when it's nights out is just go for prayer walks around Mm -hmm. this pond. That's that's kind of near. Oftentimes I'm driving going, I don't have time for that. Right. I don't have time. for it. Who doesn't right. have time for right. walking and praying and being with Jesus? But I, that's the way my mind works. <sighs> uh, Brett gives three dynamics of distraction today that might make revival in the Western church unlikely. Let me read three of them. Kay. You choose one uh, as we do this. He says, number one, we're too distracted by hashtag trending words to savor the timeless
2: word. <laughs> Ooh, all right. There was a mic drop statement.
1: Number two, we're too distracted by algorithms. To pray to the living God, okay. Okay. Number three, we're too distracted by grievance to repent of our sin. Wow. All right, choose one and bring us home.
2: Oh man, this all of this is all of this is really tricky. Um, I I'm gonna go with the grievance one. We're too distracted mm. by grievance to repent of our sin. This is, I guess, sort of the outrage culture that we live in right now. That it can be so easy to spend time, you know publicly Mm
3: -hmm.
2: being mad at everybody right like never trumpers trumpers uh exvangelicals, evangelicals evangelicals i mean like you name it we get mad and i mean i'm i'm prone to it as well and then we go off on them online or Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. retweet something that makes us angry or, or whatever and again i think it's okay for us to to be angered by the injustice in the world. In fact, not just it's okay. We absolutely must be angered by the injustice in this world. But what Brett is saying is, are we so bent on sort of publicly undermining other tribes that we're not looking at our own heart and searching for personal holiness. That's good. That's good. And it's, it's a question we need to ask if we're tweeting the errors of others, are we willing to look at the errors in our
1: own heart? It's a question to hate, but it's so important. (laughs) Brett closes by saying revival is unlikely if we're too distracted by the sins of others to care about our own holiness. And he says, he asks the question long for revival question mark long for revival make space for it so mm. our is our distraction uh kind of stopping our holiness and our own personal growth that's a really hard one to think about well coming up next uh a, a reporter from the christian post award-winning reporter named leah Klett, is going to join us to talk about some articles she has written focusing on the persecuted church of china you're not going to want to miss this next year on the common good am 1160 hope for your life Hey friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. And if you've been with this show for any amount of time, you know, one of our passions, one of the things Aubrey and I want to do is to not just focus on the American church or the Chicagoland church, but When appropriate and when we're able, we want to kind of take a step back and talk about what's going on in the global church with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. And with that in mind, Aubrey, uh, we're excited to be joined by Leah Klett. Leah is an award-winning reporter for The Christian Post, and she recently wrote an article called Early Rain Church Member uh, Recounts Evil Persecution in China, Dramatic Escape to the U.S. Leah, thanks so much for joining Mm -hmm. us. How are you doing today?
4: I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here with y'all.
1: Yeah, we're real excited to have you with us. Let's just start with background. Uh, Tell us the story, the story of Early Rain Church and what, uh, yeah, just tell us the story.
4: Absolutely. Well, Early Rain Covenant Church was the largest, one of the largest unregistered churches in China. It was led by Pastor Wang Yi, who is a very well known scholar. Um, and he was known for speaking out on politically sensitive issues like forced abortions mm-hmm. and the Hinman Square massacre. Um, and so he, he was a bit of a controversial character, of course, because the Chinese government does not like people who speak out against its ideologies. Mm-hmm. So Wang Yi was very popular, led this 3,000 member church in Chengdu, China. The church over the years faced a lot of persecution. Um, members of the Chinese Communist Party would come in and um, shut down services. They would confiscate computers and phones. And the church really um, persevered despite this type of persecution. In 2018, authorities ransacked the church. They mm-hmm. arrested over 200 church members and interrogated them. Wow. They arrested the pastor, Wang Yi, and he was sentenced to nine years in prison Mm. for subversion of power. Mm. So this church has really, really faced horrific, horrific persecution at the hands of the Chinese Communist Party over the years.
2: And you interviewed uh, Ren Ruting, I'm not sure if I'm saying her name correctly, for a part of the article
4: that you wrote. Can you tell us a little bit about her particular story? Yes. You know, she was, is such an incredible and brave young woman, because sharing her story puts her at risk, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. She's mm-hmm. now in the United States, but just because she's here does not mean she's safe. Now, Ren was 16 when she converted to Christianity, um, and she joined Early Rain Covenant Church. That was her life. She became a part of the seminary. Um, her family converted to Christianity. They, they were all in. They were members of Early Rain Covenant Church. In 2018, she received a disturbing text message from a friend that said the police are starting to take people away. Mm. And she, first, I wasn't too worried because we faced this kind of persecution, which that is shocking, right? Yes. Yes. And Oh, yes. This is normal. Mm. She said she started to get concerned when she stopped hearing back from people. She mm. said, one minute, I've been hearing from my friend, and then they were gone, um, and then she started getting calls from police telling her to come into the police station, asking where she was. And so she got scared and yeah. she took the SIM card out of her phone and she went and stayed at a friend's house for wow. a few days. Wow. And keep in mind, she's only 22. She's, mm. a, she's a young woman. Mm. Um, her entire family had converted to Christianity. Mm. She was, she was really frightened. And so after staying at a friend's house for a few days in hiding, she, she, um, Found Her her WeChat, which is a popular Chinese social media app, was no longer working. Mm. So the government was monitoring her texts, her social medias. She got really scared, and she realized she really didn't have a choice but to go into the police station. So when she was there, police told her, here are your options. You have to sign a paper saying you'll no longer attend early Rain covenant church. You have to stop engaging in a cult because Christianity is considered a cult in China. Um, and she had to participate in the government's correction work, wow. which means educating her oh, wow. to communist ideology mm. instead of Christianity. Wow. Um, and so she, she agreed to stop attending early rain because she told me the church was already shut down, yeah. um, but she would not agree to the re-education. So what happened was she went home, and her house was surrounded by police officers. Wow! And so for the next few months, Police officers followed her wherever she went. She told me a story about how she tried to go out for Christmas dinner with her husband and her boyfriend, and police followed her the mm. entire time. Wow. Um, she compared it to, to living in a prison. She was monitored digitally. Her whereabouts were constantly monitored. She had to report to the police station. All of this because of her face. Now, it was um, after a few years, she realized this, this was no way live, right? I mean no human rights whatsoever. Right. So she applied for a visa to get to United States and she was denied several times. Eventually she got in contact with Bob Fu, who is head of the Texas based watchdog organization China Aid. And Mm -hmm. he told them to travel to Taiwan. Um, where, where, where they could find some assistance with the church there and eventually make it to the U.S. And so the church really came alongside Ren mm. and her family, um, and they eventually made it to the U.S. in June of 2021. Wow. And they currently live in Florida, and Ren today... She writes about the human rights abuses in China. She calls on the Western church to stand up. Mm. And she told me, you know, my family back in China doesn't talk to me. Mm. My, my former friends are afraid to talk to me. Mm. But she said, I think about my pastor still in prison and mm. his wife who is monitored every single day. That's and I can't stay silent. Yeah,
1: yeah that's so powerful. Wow. And I know this story was part seven of a much bigger series at the Christian Post about what's been going on in China, kind of around the Olympic Games as well uh, i'd encourage people to go check that out at christianpost.com and you can read the this story and the other ones uh leah i'm wondering uh, aubrey and i are both pastors you know we all live here in america china feels so far away uh, but what can we do what, what can we how can we be praying is there anything we as the western church can be doing for our brothers and sisters in china uh what might be a few things that come to mind for you
4: Absolutely. You know, one of the most astounding things, um, the kind of feedback I heard after releasing this article were how many people had no idea about what was going on in China. Right. And so, uh, you know, Ren told me this is a tactic of the Chinese Communist Party. They, they silence people. They try to portray this altruistic image. And she said, Chinese Christians feel so alone. They feel so isolated. Mm. So I think one huge thing Western Christians can do is stay informed, Mm. read articles, listen to stories. There are so many great organizations out there that are doing great work that are getting these stories out there, China Aid being one of them. She said, "We just need to know that people are listening, right? That we're not alone." Mm-hmm. And of course, she she urged the Western Church to pray, mm-hmm. um, pray that this godless government would be brought to justice. Mm-hmm. Pray for protection of Chinese Christians, because reality is this persecution is getting worse. It is only getting worse.
1: Mm-hmm. Leah Klett again uh, is an award winning reporter for the Christian Post. I'd encourage you to go to Christian Post and check out her article, Early Rain Church Member Recounts Evil Persecution in China, Dramatic Escape to the U.S. And as I mentioned, that's just part, uh, I believe it's part seven of a a series. You could go back and read the ones earlier to learn much more. And as she said, let's, as the church, be praying, be Googling to learn, be Mm -hmm. doing all that we can. Leah, we're really grateful for your story. Also grateful that you spend some time with us. Thanks for doing that.
4: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. All right, I want to talk about sarcasm. Uh How would you even define sarcasm?
2: Oh, sarcasm. Uh, I've heard people say it's an inauthentic form of communication. I don't think that's a great definition, but perhaps like a little caustic, a little cynical. Uh, You're saying something, but you don't actually mean the words. You're saying them with a lot of subtext that tends to be like cutting the person down. Yep, yep,
1: yep. I've often told my kids, just because you're saying it as a joke or sarcastic, <laughs> doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah, like, doesn't mean yeah, it doesn't hurt. Right. Doesn't mean, oh well, if j- like if I just say, "Hey, I was just joking," that doesn't then take away the uh, the inappropriateness of it or the bitingness of it. Or, yeah. Do you consider yourself a sarcastic person?
2: Absolutely, I tell am. Tell me more about that. I am a sarcastic person. I, you know, my parents are sarcastic, and so I think we grew up. Part of our just typical dialogue was being a little bit biting, a little bit cutting, laughing a lot at our sarcasm in a way that probably could come across as really rude and hurtful to other people. But what's interesting is when my kids are sarcastic to me, I get really mad. I am not okay with it. But then there are times when I do think it's funny. So I think sarcasm can be kind of a funny way to banter with someone you're comfortable with. But I do think there are times it goes too far. And I think especially if you don't have a level of safety and health in the relationship, it can feel very hurtful.
1: How do we know when it's gone too far? Cause I don't want to be, you know, just thinking about sarcasm. I don't want to think to myself, you should never be sarcastic. Right. You should never be joking. Right. I t- I tend to be a very sarcastic person. Yeah, you
2: are a sarcastic
1: person. Uh, well, that was hurtful.
3: <laughs> just I <kidding>. mean, <laughs> uh,
1: I tend to be very sarcastic, and there are that those times when you are and you realize you've gone too far. Yes. Like, oh, I've just kind I of crossed the line. A little bit. Yeah. Oh, that person's feel my wife's feelings are hurt, or this person's. Uh-huh. Feelings- How do you walk that line? I I was reading an article we'll touch on that just got me thinking of sarcasm. And I I wonder also the role should we as Christ followers have a higher bar on this conversation? Uh, But how do you differentiate? Oh, we're joking around. We're kidding, To This is kind of getting towards biting sarcasm. Yeah,
2: I mean, sometimes I think it's like knowing when to quit. If you can't hmm. stop being sarcastic, if you keep pushing. I know I was sarcastic with a friend of Kevin's. And I thought he could, quote unquote, take it. And I really hurt his feelings. And it shocked me when he came back to me about a week later saying, like, you really embarrassed me and hurt my feelings. And I was like, what? Like, you're a guy. You're supposed to get sarcasm. So I think part of it is just knowing who you're with and what Mm -hmm. they can and can't take. And then um, again, uh, yeah, I guess being able to sense and then hear, oh, you went too far. Yeah. Um, but I, yes, I think, I mean, I'm saying it as someone who's very sarcastic. Yes. The bar for the Christian has to be better. Like there Mm. are times and places for sarcastic banter, certainly, especially among your best friends or whatever. But I do think for the Christian, if we're meant to, to honor, uh, have our words always be full of salt, um, then sarcasm doesn't always have a place in that.
1: Right. What do you
2: think? When do you know if you've gone too far or your kids have gone too far?
1: Or I've gone too far. Yeah. You, you know it. Uh, so obviously there's the obvious when you can see the hurt on the person's yeah. face. Like I just went too far. There's also the, you know, it. you kind of just said this, you know it when you know it, when it's gotten personal mm-hmm. and you're like. I think I just did that to make that person feel badly. Yeah, am make tearing that feel person better. feel yeah, down. And, yeah. uh, and we read about this. Uh, this got me thinking this guy by the name of Chip Dodd, I believe it was Scott Sauls who tweeted this, this article. It might have been somebody else. Uh, he tweeted this, and I wonder if you think he's overplaying it here, Aubrey. Listen to this. Uh, He he said, we can stop being sarcastic. We can start saying no to our own cynicism. We can rid ourselves of contempt towards our own desire to believe in the great possibilities. We can say yes to our own heart's hopes and walk in the courage of living it out. We can then let the ones who fear hope and its courage gnaw away in their own small worlds after we ourselves escape the safety of our own smallness. He's trying to say
3: our
1: our sarcasm and our cynicism is because we want to keep other, other people kind of kind of held down
2: okay and we
1: kind of want to uh not allow other people to get past us and these kinds of things we want to kind of have the upper hand as we talked about before overstating it or do you think that's kind of the cynical uh that kind of thing yeah
2: no i i think this is probably accurate a question that i have is is sarcasm and cynicism a particularly gen X feature because you and I are both gen X and Mm -hmm. I feel like all the gen Xers I know Kevin and I talk about this a lot like oh there went my gen X cynicism again like we are for some reason prone to be cynical and Kevin and I I may have talked to you about this Brian we did a wedding for some millennial slash Gen Z so youngsters in my mind. <laughs> and they were so earnest in their communication, their uplifting of one another, their honoring of each other publicly. This whole group of uh, friends in the wedding party were just such mutual admir- admirers of mm-hmm. one another. And there was a part of Kevin and I as Gen Xers that were looking on that like, oh, they don't know. They haven't <laughs> lived life. And then we both stopped ourselves like, what is wrong with us that we are so cynical that we cannot see the beauty in this young generation bringing hope and life and dignity and celebration to one another. And I do think what this article saying is that's sort of, that's sort of the like watershed moment when mm. you're going to be sarcastic. Are you, or cynical, are you really trying to, Keep somebody down and not hopeful and not positive and and some like are we trying to knock down like beautiful naivete just because we're so jaded? Yeah, you know, like what's up with
1: our souls? Maybe is the question. I think cynicism and I think sarcasm is its little brother or its cousin. I think cynicism. Uh, is a really dangerous place to be as a Christian. And not just cynical towards your faith, but cynical towards humanity. right? Cynical towards God's work in people's lives. Cynical. And I do think, I think for my own life, and this is where I'll kind of end it. I think in my own life, uh, sarcasm only, it's kind of proportional to kind of where my soul is at. Mm. And so I do feel like it is true that the more sarcastic and the more biting and the more derogatory I get towards other people, is less about them and more about me. Yeah, that's good. And and it speaks to a cynicism. It speaks to a jadedness. It speaks to something ugly within me. I really don't know what it is, but something ugly that, that I think has to be dealt with. Yeah. And so do you think that's fair? Sarcasm is more I, oftentimes than just joking. It's instead a window into your own soul. Yeah,
2: I, th- I think that's exactly right. Because even hearing you say that, I'm like, yes, when I'm more cynical with, let's Kevin's a great example of someone I would often be sarcastic with mm-hmm. or cynical with. Uh, it's because I'm not doing okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not choosing a healthy mindset or a positive mindset or looking at all the good things. I'm I'm in a bad place. Mm. And of course there are just times when like you you throw a funny sarcastic comment out, but I think we're talking about a general attitude of sarcasm. And you're right. It's more about you and what's going on in you That's than right. the other person. That's
1: right. So uh, deal with your sarcasm and your cynicism. What's it saying about your yeah. soul? How does it represent Jesus to other people? Well, coming up next, we're excited to talk to Felicia Wu Song. She's been on here before, thinking about our loyalty to social media and busyness. Excited to talk to Felicia Wu Song in the next hour here on the Common Good AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host Brian Fromm. And we are thrilled to be joined once again by Felicia Wu Song. She's been on the show before to talk about a a new book she wrote called Restless Devices. She's a cultural sociologist, the professor of sociology at Westmont College. And um, you can learn more about Felicia and her books at FeliciaWuSong.com. We are really thrilled to have her talk about ways we can do better when we want to deliver harsh comments online. That's something Brian and I talk about quite a bit. So Dr. Felicia Song, thanks very much for being here with us today.
5: Yeah, it's so great to be with you again. Thank mm-hmm. you.
2: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work and some of your areas of passion?
5: Uh, sure. Yeah. So I am a sociologist. And as you mentioned earlier, I, I teach at a Uh, Small Liberal Arts College um, in California, and I uh, have been interested in the social and cultural effects of media and technology um, for several years now. Um, And so I I, um, always enjoy kind of keeping an eye on what the latest technology is. Um, though I actually, uh, in comparison to a lot of other people, use probably a lot less than they do, and uh, yeah, for a variety of reasons. Um, but uh, you yes, asked about passions. I, you know, during the pandemic, I have found gardening.
3: Oh, oh nice. And,
5: yeah, I never could keep a plant alive before, and and now um, the Lord is blessing outdoor gardening, um, <laughs> and and so I am I am I am a total newbie. But um, I was super excited that the broccoli, you know, I live in Southern California, so we, we can garden in the winter. Oh, we're very um, jealous of and you. I know, I know. Um, so I was super excited to actually grow broccoli for the first time, it was just.
1: Absolutely fascinating. Well, congratulations. Yes, I I do think that those of us in Chicago were just like, oh, I wish I could garden right now. (laughs) Uh,
2: Seriously, I I don't even garden, and
1: I'm jealous of you. Well, Felicia, this idea of uh, technology and thinking through it deeply, especially as Christ followers, some people might be out there thinking, what What's the big deal, right? Social media, it's our phones. You guys are overplaying this. Obviously, if anyone's listening to the show, they know Aubrey and I think very. Uh, seriously about social media and about technology, but somebody like yourself, who's really thought a lot about it. Why is it important for us to think deeply about the role that technology is playing in our lives?
5: Yeah, I think the main thing is that our um, routine uses of it, you know, it's the ways in which it becomes a really normalized part of our, our lives such that we don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. It's that routinization that um, has the capacity to form us, right? Um, and so uh, we may think that all we're doing is using technology, right? Um, but I I'd like to suggest that it it is our uses of it is actually forming us, right? That it's it's design um, the dynamics that that are encouraged uh, through the ways of social media or email and so forth. Those are are kind of advancing a certain way of living and a certain way of being um, that we need to grow in awareness of and, and intention over in our lives. Mm. That is so, so
2: helpful. I think all of us need to, yeah, all of us need to be considering those things, Felicia. I'm um, over at the better Samaritan, which is part of Christianity today. You wrote an article about a month ago called four ways to do better when you want to deliver a harsh comment online. And obviously that's only one area of social media, but it's certainly a big one when we want to uh, be a little outrageous or say something a little harsh online. And and I love articles like this when there are lists. And so I wonder if you would just unpack some of these four ways. Maybe start with one way we can do better when we are tempted to go there.
5: Mm. Yeah. So I think one of the first things we that would help is to just be very aware of the way in which um, the social media platforms are designed to encourage us
4: to be outrageous. Right? Mm-hmm.
5: Um, I, the, the line that I have in there uh, in the article is that we really need to remember that the house always wins, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. We, we, may, right, we may think we're the ones, right, that are walking away with all the chips in the end, but in the end, well, what's actually happening is that these platforms are designed to promote, right? Um, especially emotional, angry, you know, sort of violent language, so that more people will engage it, right? It's sort of content that they know will quote unquote sell, right? Um, bring mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. to the platform, and you know, and I know that might not stop <laughs> some of us from posting what we want anyway. But I think for others, it, it might just give us a little pause to think about what we are playing into, right? That we are playing into the hands of a system um, that wants to benefit from mm-hmm. it and has very little interest in actually um, fostering a, a wider common good mm-hmm. um, in terms of the ways that it's designed,
3: yeah. right?
5: Um, and And so just being aware of that might just give us a little pause, maybe temper what we're going to. Go ahead and dash out um, on on the keyboard. Yeah, on
1: the next moment. Can you unpack that a little bit mm-hmm. more? Because I think that what people don't think about often is ultimately social media is out there to sell us things and to give our, our information or whatever else it might be. I know you've written some on that. Help people understand kind of really the foundations of our technology and our social media.
5: Yeah. So um, the social media platform. Um, is really what it is from a business side, right, from the design industry side, is it is a place um, for the corporations to gather data from us, on us, you know, the things that we're interested in reading, the things that we're we're interested in posting, and then using that data to sell um, space, time, to advertisers, mm-hmm. right? That's ultimately the business model. Mm. Um, And so the more we actually spend um, time and content, the more we generate content to post on social media, all of that is feeding into the machinery of the data economy that is actually at the foundation of the industry. Now, the the kind of more outrageous, harsh um, content is actually promoted um, in most of the algorithms because the social media corporations have done research, right? They have experts in psychology um, and neuroscience that understand that as human beings, we are drawn to content that is negative Mm -hmm. and and angry, actually. Super interesting, right? That human beings are drawn to that. And so what shows up on our feed, what kind of hits the top? Is, tends to be that type of content, and so when we are creating that content or if we're consuming that content, it's all kind of again um, feeding into the system that increases engagement, um, our attention, our um, responses. You know, if we're liking or if we're disliking um, or commenting or sharing. All of that is to the advantage of the corporation um, that wants to. Really, build. You know, I, I would argue they're building their their business on yeah. our backs.
3: Mm-hmm, it is
5: mm-hmm. our emotional labor. It is our content mm. that they are building their success on. Wow! And most of us, whether we're doom scrolling or <laughs> if we're just creating a lot of content, kind of going back and forth with people, a lot of us leave that space just kind of depleted yes. and upset. Yeah. And that's what I'm concerned about is that. Um, that we don't really see right who is benefiting in the end right that it is the corporations that are benefiting from our kind of disarray and dismay with each other
2: such a good point felicia and and I do think for the christian especially and this will be our last question for you today but as people who are not meant to serve an empire right like this empire mm-hmm. that you're talking about but are meant to serve a completely different kingdom I wonder what words of wisdom you might have for
5: us. Mm. Yeah, um, I think one of the things um, that I mentioned in the article um, is to, um, it, it was to encourage folks to remember That in the end of the day, it's not about us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, In the end, the very end, it's not about our opinion. It's not about our winning the argument, right? Um, Or or creating change. In the end of the day, that is that you know. I think as as people of faith who follow Jesus, we believe or we we claim, right? We want to believe that it it is the Lord. All of that is the Lord. It is not ours to make and. Um, and that's a hard thing, <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to remember and to grow into, but I think that is, that is the journey, right? Mm. That is the life of faith mm. that we are called to move deeper into. Um, and so, you know, uh, remembering that, um, it's, it's not about us trying to decenter ourselves from that moment. Um, is our challenge, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. um, is the challenge of of kind of taking a just pressing pause, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and maybe stepping away um, and trying to um, reorient ourselves um, to live into um, the faith that that we want to grow in.
2: Yep, that's such a good word for all of us. Thank you so much, Dr. Felicia Wu Song is a cultural sociologist, a professor of sociology at Westmont College. She's the author of a new book, Restless Devices, Recovering Personhood, Presence and Place in the Digital Age. You can learn more about Felicia and her books at FeliciaWuSong.com. Thanks so much for joining us again today, Felicia. We really appreciate your time. For sure. It's been great. Thank you. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and it is time for one of our favorite things, a top five list. Top Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Okay, Brian, today's top five list is a good one. This is top five very popular movies, like movies that everyone has seen. Yes,
1: everyone has seen them.
2: That either you have not seen or you saw and you didn't like. Okay. So it could be a popular movie that everyone saw and loved, And you just didn't like it, or a very popular movie you never saw.
1: And you're much more of a movie person than I am, so I I had a very long list that is exclusively of ones that I've never even seen. Yes,
2: and I couldn't do that because I see all the movies, but I have a combo of both. So um, I'll I'll go first, Brian. All right, I'm ready for it. Okay, my my number one or my number five, excuse me, is a very popular movie that I saw, but I didn't enjoy. But the whole world seemed to love it. That is La La
1: Land. With, uh, I actually r- saw that.
2: Oh, yeah. And did you love
1: it? I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember if I liked it or not.
2: Yeah, it was very, very popular. And I just thought, this is sad. Mm. I don't,
1: this is a really sad movie. So,
2: La La Land is my number five.
1: Okay. Uh, my number five is, in many people's minds, one of the greatest movies to ever exist. Okay. And I have never seen it. Gone with the Wind.
2: Oh. Gone with the wind. Yep. And okay. you know what else I
1: could have added to this? What? Casablanca. I could have a- I You've could ever have
2: you seen Casablanca?
1: I could have added Citizen Kane. You add up any of these early like the earlier movies? Yeah. I haven't seen any of them.
2: Wow. My mom was a big old movie fan, so we okay. grew up watching all those. I movies. went with Gone with
1: the Wind. Gone I have seen the, the sound wind. of music simply because I married someone who loves the sound okay, of music. Okay, yeah,
2: yeah. Gone with the Wind is kind of a commitment. You gotta be there all day to watch that movie for sure. <laughs> okay. Gone with the Wind for Brian. Okay. I'm gonna go with. I'm torn between a popular one that I've seen or one I haven't. I'll go with one I haven't. I have not seen a movie that I think it's fairly popular. Brian, you might have to tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, but it's uh, what brought Arnold Schwarzenegger to fame, and that is the movie Terminator. I've never seen it.
1: It's actually on my list. <gasps> uh, no not way. on my list. It's on my honorable mentions list. Isn't I realized. It really? So what I did was I I Googled a list of movies. It it's, it was like top one hundred movies everyone has seen, okay. and I was like, not seen it, not. To, and then I got the Terminator. I was like, oh my goodness, I've never seen I've Terminator. I've never seen
2: Terminator well, either. Maybe
1: you and I will need to sit down and watch Terminator we'll have to one do day. That. that feels important. All right, this one I think is going to surprise you. Uh, when we were dating, my wife and I actually went to the movies to see this, and uh, she wanted to not finish seeing it. Oh. And I've never gotten more than halfway through this. I've never seen this movie since. I'm
2: dying. What is it?
1: The Matrix.
2: The Matrix, really? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, especially you, a pastor of your age, all the pastors Everybody. saw the Matrix. And, Matrix. Pre- and preached on the Matrix. <laughs> yes. Every sermon illustration was from the Matrix you in got the, the early 2000s. The blue pill or the
1: red pill. Yes. I probably did the sermon illustration, <laughs> you never I'm sure. Saw the movie. It was a, that, it's funny you bring that up because at that time, every youth pastor, especially like. Oh, I can relate this to The Matrix or to Braveheart. Which one am I going with right now?
2: That's funny. So you started to see it. And Carrie was just like, I'm over this movie.
1: My wife does not do well with like sci-fi, lots of blood, this or that. And there were some parts early on in The Matrix where she was like, I'm out.
2: Can't do it. Yes. Can't do it. Okay, that's fair. And I've
1: now since never seen it.
2: Okay. Uh, This is an older one. And so not... I feel like new generations probably haven't seen this, but there was a day and age when everybody saw this movie. I wasn't allowed to see it, and that's Jaws. Any of the Jaws movies I have not seen.
1: I have seen Jaws. Okay. I have, I have seen Jaws. I've yes. seen
2: clips, of course, of Jaws, but I've never seen a Jaws movie.
1: Okay. Uh, this one, I'm going to go with this one is going to surprise you. Okay. Maybe not surprise you, because I've already told you I haven't seen a lot of movies. Uh, but this was a huge movie maybe 10 years ago, maybe. Okay. I think it wasn't even the Academy Awards. I've never seen Avatar. <gasps>
2: Avatar is going to be on my list, but for a different reason. (laughs)
1: Okay. Okay. I have never seen it. I've never. I couldn't. I know the people are blue and I can't tell you anything about what it's supposed to be about. Yep. I can't tell you anything of who's in it. Avatar. I've never seen it.
2: Yep. Okay. Well, I'll just throw Avatar up as my next one. Avatar is a movie I saw and everyone around me loved it. And I was like, what? I did not like it. In fact, Kevin and I went to see it. like opening day. We had some friends that we weren't there with. We just happened to see that they were at the theater. And afterwards, Kevin and I were both kind of like, that wasn't very good. And they were both like, wasn't that the greatest movie you've ever seen? And we are like, yeah, it was okay, I guess. So Avatar is a very popular one that I have seen but did not enjoy.
1: I did. I've never, never even laid eyes on Avatar. Okay. I think my number two will surprise you because this is a movie that I should have seen and fits my genre of movies oh, I tend to like. Okay. And I don't even think I've realized that I've never seen it until I looked at this list and I was like... How have I never seen this movie? I have never seen the original or any of the subsequent Godfather movies.
4: <gasps> no way. And I, that
1: is just a miss on my part wow. because they are right up my alley. You like need to you, take
2: a weekend and do that.
1: Yeah. And I, everyone has always said Godfather 2 is one of the few sequels that's as good or yeah, better than so the good. first one. Yeah. I, this is by no means have I did I ever be like, I'm not watching the Godfather movies. Yeah. I just have never sat down. And made it through a God. Made it through the Godfather. Okay,
2: you know when Kevin and I first first dating, we sat and watched all three of the Godfather movies one weekend, <laughs> which doesn't seem very romantic as I'm thinking back on it. But well, that's what we did. It did
1: set the uh, trend for the rest of your relationship, I'm sure. <laughs> all
2: we do now is mob movies. Okay, so you've never seen the Godfather. Okay, do you have? I know you do, because you said you had honorable mentions. I have a lot of honorable mentions. Let's, have, let's hear them, Brian. You don't have any? I don't have any, because I've seen
1: all the movies. So I mentioned Casablanca already. I've not oh, seen I that. I love
2: that movie. you got to see that. I also mentioned
1: Citizen Kane. I've never yeah, seen Citizen seen Kane. It's, it's weird. Uh, I have never. Uh, you mentioned Terminator, which I also realize I have not mm-hmm. seen. Uh, let me just throw some out there. This is shooting to all fields. Okay. I've never seen Fargo.
2: Okay, I've seen Fargo.
1: I've never seen The Shining with Jack Nicholson. What?
2: You've never seen The Shining?
1: I've never seen The Shining. The Shining. Okay. I've never seen uh, back. Uh, probably when we first, when Carrie and I first got married, this was a big movie, The Sixth Sense. I've never seen The what? Sixth Sense.
2: Oh, wow, you! Are I know blown that, by I know, right I know that
1: Bruce Willis is dead. I'm, in about the end. To, I'm
2: about to lock you in the studio and just make you catch up on movies. All right, then
1: the last one, then I think is gonna is gonna hurt your heart a little bit. Okay. I've never seen. Uh, I've never seen The Dark Knight.
2: Batman, The Dark Knight. Yes. With Christian Bale?
1: Any of them. What? Like, right? Wasn't that's
2: the it? best Batman.
1: Like, that's also, it's Christian Bale, but it's also Heath Ledger, right? Yes. Famously.
2: Famous Joker. And then he died. Wow. Yes. I have,
1: I have a spoiler. What do, you do with yourself. <laughs> <I'm laughs>
2: what do you do with yourself, Brian? I,
1: I watch games and I oh, play yeah. with my children. Oh,
2: you're actually present in your <laughs> yes, life, you yes. mean? Okay. So, yes,
1: that was a long, honorable mention okay. list of many that I've never seen.
2: Wow. Okay, Brian, are you ready for your number one
1: then? you got to go to your number one first.
2: Okay. I'll give my number one first. That's fine. Uh, My number one is a movie everyone talks about. Everyone quotes. I've never seen it. And now I'm just like not going to see it because of this. And that is the movie
1: Caddyshack. Oh, I've seen Caddyshack of all of them. I've seen them.
2: Yeah. Everybody's seen Caddyshack.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's good. I mean, this might sound, people are going to get really mad at me. If I had to choose between watching Caddyshack and Happy Gilmore, am I going to watch Happy Gilmore? Probably. Probably. Okay. okay. Why are we not doing top five Adam Sandler movies, by the way? We'll
2: add it it to the list for the future.
1: The number one movie, and uh, this is actually, you should pluralize this. This is actually the number one movies that I have never seen. Okay. I have yet to sit down for any of the Lord of the Rings movies. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I've not seen any of them what i have not seen what i am i am a christian i love jesus no and i have not seen or read any of the lord of the rings I'm about to pass out right now. You uh, are not a Christian if you haven't read yes, or seen Lord of the Rings. I'm holding to it. My faith in my salvation wow. is secure. But I have not watched them.
2: Are you, you're you not going to watch the new Lord of the Rings show that's coming out then? Sure, no. no. Okay. Wait, I do I remember early in
1: marriage, we, Carrie and I, had, somebody gave us the video, because that's how long we've been married, a yeah, video, yeah. of one of the Lord of the Rings. I think it was the first one. And we made a value judgment. I'm like, this is too long. I'm not going to do it. We didn't have any kids at the time. We didn't have anything. Never wow. seen any of the Lord of the Rings. I was movies.
2: at opening night, midnight showings, all three Lord of the Rings movies. There you go. So that tells you. I knew you that
1: one would mess with you.
2: How different Brian and I are. Okay, well, we would love to hear from you. What are some popular movies you haven't seen that everyone else has, or you saw and didn't enjoy? Let us know on our social media. Coming up next, we're going to explore some stories from the wild world of the internet. You're listening to the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.
1: Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web.
2: Hey everybody, it's Aubrey Sampson and Brian Fromm from The Common Good and uh, that sound can only mean one thing it is time for us to share weird and wacky and wild stories from the wild west of the internet the west, basically, yes. the executive producer here, Keith Conrad essentially finds the craziest stories he can from the internet and he shares them with us, but Brian and I have never seen them before, so as we are sharing them with you, we are reacting to them in real time, this is a very fun thing we like to do at the end of of the week,
1: So, Brian, I'm going to let you just dive in with the first wild story. All right, we're going all the way to France. A father accidentally shut down his town's whole internet in an effort to limit <laughs> his kids' screen time. Oh, no. In case you haven't noticed, kids these days just don't know how to moderate their screen time. So, in a desperate bid to get his children offline, some guy in France—I love it some, guy, some in France, guy in France apparently blitzed his entire town's internet connection Come on. by accident. That is, he now faces up to six months in prison. <gasps> oh my! A report from the outlet France Bleu says the unnamed <laughs> nice dad Brian. tried to use a multi-wave band jammer to temporarily cut off the internet connection at his residence. Uh, jammers, which are illegal in France and also in the U.S., work by interfering with telecommunication signals, thus stifling connections. Despite their illegality, people will get arrested, still get arrested for using them pretty much all the time. In this case, the dad in question deployed the device in the hopes of prying his social media addicted children away from the grips of their devices. When later questioned by a government official, the man apparently admitted that he only wanted to cut off the connectivity to his house at night between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m., Probably so his kids would put their phones down and just go to bed already. I don't know. Maybe take their phones, buddy.
2: Maybe take their the phones move. away. That's what I was just thinking. But this is every parent's problem. Everyone's. <laughs> okay, here's a story out of Louisiana. A raccoon crashes through the ceiling of the Louisiana State University Dining Hall. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Students eating at LSU Dining Hall had their meals interrupted when a raccoon dropped from above and ran loose through the building. Witnesses said the raccoon crashed through the ceiling of the 459 dining hall during dinnertime Wednesday evening, posted videos of social media showing the raccoon running loose through the dining area as students climbed onto chairs and tables to avoid the animal. One video shared on Twitter by LSU student student run media station Tiger TV shows two men attempting unsuccessfully to capture the raccoon by using a trash can and a broom. Animal control officers were summoned to the dining hall and successfully escorted the raccoon back outside the building.
1: So I don't know if you know this about me, Aubrey. One of my if we did a top five list of irrational fears in our life. Yes. A raccoon would be number one. <gasps> on
2: really? You don't like I, you're scared of
1: raccoons. I have a mortal fear of raccoons.
2: <gasps> Interesting. They that, are a
1: little freaky. I made that comment years ago in a sermon to my church. And to this day, people still send me memes of raccoons. They still if you went through my social media page, you would just see racco- you'd be like, why so often do he does he get raccoon stuff? That is why, because they are. They oh, are,
2: that is so funny. People are. are yes. Picking at your wound
1: yeah, to the okay, point that we okay. once at our old house, we once had a raccoon in a garbage can and I made my wife deal with it. No, you did it. I did.
2: Wow. This is new information, Brian. I'm happy yes. to learn this.
1: Next one's out of Texas. Chicken wing costs, chicken wing cost rose 41 percent during inflation serve uh, surge. Wingstop CEO says (laughs) the surging cost of chicken wings is putting more pressure on restaurants, especially chains like Wingstop, whose executives have noted a record surge. Uh, Wingstop CEO Charlie Morrison told analysts Wednesday the company has dealt with more inflationary pressure than the broader economy, with bone in chicken wings accounting for about 65 percent of the purchases at his restaurants. Expenses from bone and chicken wings rose 41% in fiscal 2021 compared to one year earlier, a figure that represented, quote, record high wing inflation, (laughs) according to the company. Morrison said Wingstop has explored expanding use of other cuts of chicken, such as thighs and drumsticks. This is terrible. I love wings. Oh, you do?
2: I didn't know that about you, Brian.
1: Raised a son who loved wings. Oh, no. Uh, well, if it's just him and I going out, yeah. Buffalo Wild Wings will be high on that list. Really? Absolutely. So I do not like that this story is at shocking.
2: all. This is shocking for you. Okay, well, I hope you guys can find your wings. All right, Here right, we're going to Michigan now. I've never seen this. Entire 12 by 28 foot cabin stolen. Mm. Michigan police are investigating the disappearance of an entire 12 by 28 foot cabin in Cold Springs Township, after the owner reported it stolen. Authorities believe the house was pulled onto a trailer and taken away. This is so sad. The resident of the cabin had lived there for two years and last saw his home in November. According to Lieutenant Derek Carroll with the Michigan State Police, the man moved out to another residence that month, but left his belongings in the cabin. When a moving crew arrived to retrieve his items, the man's possessions had been left outside, so they didn't take his stuff (laughs) But the cabin had mysteriously vanished. This is absolutely crazy. The police officer says, I've got 26 years in the Michigan State Police, and I've never seen an entire cabin that was stolen. Can you imagine, Brian, like going to your cabin and it's just not there?
1: That is strange. Yeah. And there, I want to know, I want to follow up to this story. Yeah, like
2: where did it go? It
1: even says some residents have even claimed, called and claiming to catch sightings of the cabin. No. Uh, but it's a mass produced one. So we are. But they're using social media and stuff to try to track it down. Like is someone trying to just sell the cabin?
2: I mean, it's got to so- be somewhere.
1: Yes. Yes, uh, and it will be interesting. there's someone living in it, or they just try to sell it?
2: Good question.
1: But just move in a cabin. That's always weird when you're driving on the highway and there's like a whole house. There's a whole weird.
2: house going down the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a little like intimidating.
1: That, I always wish that there was someone in the window just waving at you, <laughs> and, like sitting on the in a rocking board, chair, just, just knitting there. a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that would be fun. That's good. That's good. Okay, last one. I believe. Yep, out of Oregon, Oregon City installs thirty-seven foot fork. <laughs> Believed to be the world's tallest. This
2: picture is amazing. If you if you could look, you need to. It is
1: a fork. Something completely unexpected is coming to Fairview Tuesday morning. It's the world's largest fork. Wow. At least they hope it will be once it's up. The Guinness Book of the Guinness Book of World Record will determine if the fork beats the current record.
2: Oh wow. Okay. The
1: thirty-seven foot tall fork will be arriving at the Fairview Food Plaza around nine a.m. Tuesday after traveling traveling from McMinnville where it was first created. The Fairview Food Plaza is officially opening in April with 16... Oh, it's like, so this is kind of a promotional deal.
2: Gotcha. It's kind of like a food
1: court. The okay. giant fork will be on display. But if you see this, they got to bring in a crane. It's I mean, 37 it is massive. feet. I got to be honest. If I was driving, because, you know, <laughs> it's a food court. Like, yeah. it's probably by a major highway. If I was driving and saw that fork, uh-huh. totally would stop there.
2: Oh, 100%. So, yeah.
1: It's it's good reason to do it. I would be there. I would <laughs> there. I would go. Uh, I would dine there. It's like when you're driving back from Wisconsin and you drive by, you remember what I'm talking about on 1994? You drive by that one uh, gas station where there's just randomly a big pink elephant.
2: I don't know about this. Next I guess I don't drive that drive very Wis- much.
1: Southern Wisconsin, there's a pink elephant and you're like, why would they do that? And then you go, I'd like to stop I'd and like get to stop. by the I pink need elephant. To, I need to
2: take some pictures by that like pink elephant. My
1: kids know about that pink elephant, and so it's working. It's working I for them. I
2: definitely feel like it would be fun to do one of those road trips where you go see the world's biggest Random. rocking chair or yarn ball or, you know, what have you, <laughs> biggest fork as we've just read. I I think something like that would be a really a fun kind of destination trip, go. certainly. Well, those are some of the stories from the wild world of the internet. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. We hope you have an amazing weekend. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.